This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To first strike here on Visa. I'm your host, Dave Ross, coming to you from Circa Sportsbook in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Going to have Lou Finicaro, Jordan Sherwood, Dan Vreeland, and Reed Kuhn to round out our great crew each and every week here on First Strike. We're going to look ahead to Marab Dilashvili against Peter Jan. Should be a really uh, highly anticipated main event this weekend. But we do have to look back at UFC 285 that just ended on Saturday night. And wow, what a night it was. Of course, the return of the GOAT, John Jones. We mentioned it all week last week on First Strike. Really hard to fade a guy of John Jones's caliber, even though we hadn't seen him at heavyweight, didn't know what he'd look like. People were kind of making jokes about the weight. Boy, did he look great in getting a quick stoppage of Cyril Ghosn in the very first round. And maybe the shocker of all shockers came in the flyweight title bout as we have the first Mexican-born women's champion now in the UFC in Alexa Grasso as she defeats the bullet Valentina Shevchenko. That fight closed with Shevchenko minus 1,000 here in Las Vegas. It is technically the biggest upset we've seen in women's championship history. So congratulations to everybody that had Alexa Grasso last Saturday night. Let's bring in the aforementioned Lou Finicaro. You can follow Lou as I do at Gamblue. He is the host of the Bout Business Podcast. And Lou, boy, I saw it coming with John. I did not see it coming with Grasso. How do you summarize what you saw at UFC 285? I saw, I look at things a little differently. Uh, We'll get to performance, but I saw 13 and one, 13 favorites and one underdog. Mm. That's what I saw. Yeah, exactly right. It was a great night for the faves until Grasso really upset the apple cart with the shock heard round uh, women's MMA. That is for sure. Let's get to this weekend's card because, again, Lou, you and I have talked about it here in the network. Sometimes after a big pay-per-view, it really feels like the general public, maybe even the casuals, really involved because it is a guy like John Jones. You can really have some opportunities this week on a quote-unquote smaller card like we have, but it's a really deep card all of a sudden with the addition of Nikita Krylov against Ryan Spann, a a main event fight we were supposed to see a couple weeks ago. That's now a catchweight at 215. You got the Battle of the the Alexanders, Volkov against uh, Romanov here, and then, of course, Peter Yan against Marab Dilashvili. How do you handicap the main event here? We've seen the number go up on Peter Yan in the last couple days. Yes, uh, uh, Bantamweight 135. Uh, Jan, unusually enough, enters this off two losses uh, by the record. Both split decisions. One of them, honestly, I scored for Jan. And and I think a lot of people did as well. So that could be one and one. Uh, Jan, really a fluent boxer, Mm -hmm. very well-rounded, really great fighter, going to take on a Tasmanian devil vice grip of a uh, Georgian in uh, Marab Dabalashvili. Styles make fights. This sets up to be a really interesting one. Uh, As far as price is concerned, Jan opening minus 170 seemed fair to me. Now he's a bloated 230 and rising. And I I suppose I can see the path for victory uh, for each athlete here. But that line's starting to get a little bit high, and I almost wonder where it's going and when it may stop. I, I, exactly, and that's the point here as, as we talk 
uh, for a strike on this Tuesday before we get to Saturday. It's up to 250 here at DraftKings for Peter Yan. So you mentioned how it opened and where it is now. Dios really right now, plus 210. And you mentioned the styles, right? We get it. The decorated boxer and striker that Peter Yan is. He's going to want to keep distance in this potentially five-round matchup. Right now, it is juiced to the over four and a half rounds here. Delishvili needs to be more of that wet blanket and try to really encompass and envelop Peter Jan. Are those the two pathways that you see for each fighter? I, I tend to think that that Marab is the wear out. Uh, it's typical, and we know this isn't anything that I'm enlightening anyone with, but Jan spends two rounds reading his opponents. And this is a five-round fight, and he's usually afforded that. The issue with Marab is he's also a guy that never runs out of gas. Mm. He He's going to take you down eight times per 15 minutes. So he just doesn't stop. And, and so to me, this, you know, Jan wants it up. Marab wants it on the ground. It's more than that. It's what's going to happen in the last two rounds here, because I'm almost figuring Marab to be a, a little bit in a situation where he's a front runner and he wins the first round or two. Yeah, you mentioned the, the last fight for Jan, really uh, bitter pill for him to swallow against Sean O'Malley. So I know he probably doesn't want it to go to the cards this time around, a fight that he think, and I think the Jan backers think he won against the Sugar Show. But you look at the numbers here, right? By decision for Giannis, plus 110, if you don't want to lay that big number. For Marab, it's 3-1 to one here. If you think the fight's just going to go the distance and you don't want to pick a winner, you got to lay $2. What's the what's the more likelihood uh, scenario of happening? Is it that this fight does go all five and then you got to hold your breath again if you're a Jan backer? Here's how I'm going to handicap it, Dave. This is available now, and I've just made the release, or I should say my own bet. I'm about to release it. Mm. And my feeling, and this is DraftKings, uh, the fight to be decided split or majority decision plus 400. I think this thing's going to go right down to the judges. And if it does go to the judges, just like you're halfway insinuating, nobody knows what could happen. So four to one money on a fight that I see very competitive, razor close and in the judges' hands, I'll take it. Absolutely love that breakdown to really get the best of the numbers there. Let's get to the uh, co-main event on this one. And again, I mentioned it's a battle of the Alexanders here at heavyweight uh, Romanov against Volkov here. Volkov right now, but plus $1.35 we're seeing at DraftKings. Uh, Romanov minus $1.55. What do you make of this one with some pretty big boys? Obviously, Volkov pushing about 260 pounds in this one. And getting thicker. His legs have changed since the Curtis Blades fight. The, he realized he had to get a little bit more girth. Here's a fight where uh, Volkov opens minus 150. Now Romanov's the plus 150. And Romanov's coming off a dubious loss to Tibera, where to, to a degree he was somewhat exposed as singularly dimensioned. Uh, Volkov, again, I mentioned Blades once. He's already been embarrassed by a wrestler. He's got size on this guy, experience, and he's been in with better. I think Volkov's under being underestimated and uh, a decent value as a dog if you're not afraid of underdogs after last week's card. No no question about it, right. It was not a, a day for the dogs, uh, UFC 285, but Volkov does feel alive at plus $1.35. I, I wonder if you think Ryan Spann is live now that we finally get the Nikita Krylov matchup. It's going to happen this time around. Catch way to 215. How do you make for a fight that was supposed to happen a couple weeks ago, doesn't, but now you, you get Nikita back and healthy. Remember, he had a stomach bug, I believe it was the, the night of the fight. So that main event was canceled. We saw the emotion from Span in his camp. of He was literally in tears about how hard his camp had worked for him to get ready. How do you re-energize, kind of bottle that emotion again and get ready to go out and fight the fight again, but this time at a different weight? Krilov has to get over whatever sickness it was, and I'm going to look hard to see what it was. It clearly was a minor thing, a cold or flu or something. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, Span, uh, I think two hours later or a day later when they said, hey, we're doing this in two weeks, he was better then. Uh, so I, I think that emotion 
shows how much he and these young athletes have vested in their performances mm -hmm. for these fights. And then you take it away from them a few hours beforehand, it really rips them up. So uh, really the questions here, what's the extra weight going to allow each guy to do for a huge guy like Span can't hurt him. And for a guy like Krilov, probably makes him eat punches better. So at least that's how I'm coming at it. And really, my assessment from a couple of weeks ago hasn't changed. I think Span has to be the bully and get it done early. If not, the durability of Krilov is going to allow him to take Span where Span don't want to go and Krilov will win inside the distance. And Lou, I think that's a really part, uh, important part uh, of distinction here for this fight. That was going to be a potentially a five-round main event. Now we're back down to three rounds. Heavier weights at 215. So I look at the total at one and a half because we know Spans had issues with cardio. Does this help him with more weight? Or do you think the, the adrenaline dump can happen when you're carrying around more weight than you're not accustomed to? I, I'm going to have to wait and see because on the one hand, I do think he gets the advantage from the weight. But Krilov agreed to it. And who knows if they weren't trying to get two and a quarter. And Krilov said no. That said, I do think the extra weight allows Krilov to weather the storm. He is the, the more durable, longer-termed uh, fighting machine, at least prepared for such. He's been able to do such against big names. And I think he's smart enough to understand. He's just got to drag this guy into the second round. All right, I got about 30 seconds to go, Lou. Tell the people what they get when they listen each and every week to the Bout Business Podcast. Bout Business Podcast is simply 14, 16 minutes of the final releases that I submit each week per each UFC card. We're on a good run right now uh, because I listen to First Strike and get great opinions before I throw my podcast out there. And so I appreciate you having me on First Strike, Dave, and uh, I appreciate uh, everyone listening in. Absolutely. I've got a little bit of uh, bonus time with you, Lou, so I want to ask you one other question. There are some dogs in this fight. It was not a day for the dogs like we mentioned last week. When you look at the Queen of Violence, Ariana Lipsky, she is a dog here against J.J. Aldrich, and even Jonathan uh, Martinez here, about a $2 betting underdog against uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov. Is there any live dogs that you think the numbers, besides the fight we've talked about, that really still have some value here on Tuesday? A lot of these lines have been popping around, and I, I looked at those two dogs, but those aren't two I'm really horning in on right now. Right now, I got my eye on Rafael Asuncao, and I, and I also think this kid, Fremd, who's coming in, he's got some hotshot new uh, debuter, Friends lost three against three tough guys, and he ain't going to be easy to beat. I was looking at that one as well with Josh Fremd. We'll get into that fight card, uh, that fight a little bit later on down the road. Lou, always appreciate it as always, my friend. Enjoy the fights on Saturday. We'll catch up again next week. When we come back, going to Chicago, Jordan Sherwood next on First Strike. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. Psh. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, daily show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out... F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? 
You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pot? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet on more than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and futures for all MMA events. Eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. Always love going out to the great city of Chicago this time every week on First Strike. Of course, he is Jordan uh, he is Jordan Sherwood. You can follow him at Wood on ESPN 1000, the host of the unnamed MMA podcast. Jordan Sherwood, always great to catch up with you, my friend. Uh, before we get into this week's card, okay, I, I was all over John Jones. That was easy money. Did you see the bullet being upset and now what is closed is the biggest upset in women's MMA championship history? She closed here in Vegas, Jordan, minus 1,000. Yeah, shocking. Shocking that we saw that because I thought Valentina Shevchenko was going to bounce back to the champion of old against Talia, you know, after her split decision victory over Talia Santos. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think Rasa was going to pose too much of a threat on the feet or, you know, on the ground. But look, credit where credit's due, and that's why this sport is so awesome. Anything could happen. Uh, a live dog like Grasso was leading into the fourth round, a miraculous submission. If anybody caught that prop, good for you. I think your year is set uh, from an MMA standpoint. Uh, and look, it's going to make it for an interesting uh, handicap uh, on that rematch because I do believe we're going to get an immediate rematch because Shevchenko is such a dominating champion. Yeah, one of our uh, directors here, Jeremy Wingle, does great work. He had Grasso winning the fight, and he had Jones via sub. Pretty good day oh, wow. to cash that those is a tickets. Very, very good day. Uh, Jordan, let's get to this week's card. Again, I, when I look at the Krylov fight now, back on with Ryan Spann. This is supposed to be a main event two weeks ago. Of course, gets canceled because Nikita comes down sick on fight night. We don't really know exactly what that was. And now we're going to have this catchweight fight, not at five rounds, but three rounds here. And they're going to fight at 215 pounds. How do you judge that into your handicapping? No, now that it's a different weight that they're going to fight at. And again, we don't know what the illness was, but we did see the emotional toll it took on Span having that fight canceled, and now it's rebooked. Yeah, I mean, uh, when it was scheduled to be take place uh, two weeks ago, I had Krylov winning the fight. I liked him at the money line at seventy, and I also liked the under, but I was safeguarding myself at 2.5 as opposed to 1.5. Uh, both of the things that are taking place now, the catchweight fight at 215 and the fact that we don't have much information about Krylov and that illness actually carries me a little bit more weight to favor Ryan Spann mm. because it's not a five-round fight. It's three. It's He doesn't have to worry about a grueling weight cut to, you know, two times in the span of 21 days. Um, and, I, and I think that, again, not knowing what Krylov had to deal with it, what's he going to be like come fight night? So I'm not as confident as I was in the Krylov money line. I'm still confident in the under. I still believe that both of these guys are finishers. Ryan Spann is either going to take advantage of the additional weight and get Krylov out of there early uh, inside the distance, or Krylov maybe survives for a round and then gets his fight to the ground uh, where he'll have it at the decisive advantage and, and get Ryan Spann out of there. So uh, I guess my answer is that, I, that I'm still confident in the under taking place, but not as confident as Cryo because there's so many uncertainties about his condition leading into Saturday. Yeah, you see that that total rounds prop there stuck at one and a half. So the under right now juiced to minus thirty five. The over, if you think you can get over that two and a half minute mark there of round number two, would be plus money at plus five. If you think it's going to go to the decision, Plus 3.30. Don't have to pick a winner. Can this thing go 15 minutes? Kind of tells you out here in Las Vegas, they don't think that that is going to happen. Uh, let's get to the battle of Alex here in the heavyweight division. And this line has kind of flipped uh, in the last week or so here from Volkov being the favorite, now to being the underdog against Romanov here. And uh, you can get Volkov at plus $1.35 where we stand. What do you make of that that price change here with Romanov now being a solid minus $1.55 betting favorite? 
I think people are remembering that Alexander Romanov was was a big time prospect coming into the UFC, uh, unbeaten, uh, stumbled obviously his last time out against Marston Tybura, and we know that Marston Tybura has been around the UFC mm-hmm. for quite a while, and he's one of the you know upper you know, top ten, top fifteen heavyweights. So all these guys do stumble at some point, uh, and that was Romanov. But I think now you think about it, Romanov hasn't really uh, struggled with guys uh, on the feet and has taken people down when he's wanted to. And Alexander Volkov has succumbed to takedowns all the time. We've seen it uh, even in fights against like Derek Lewis, yep. Curtis Blades. Guys get him to the ground and they keep him there. Volkov obviously will have the reach advantage. He's he's a tremendous heavyweight from a size standpoint uh, and, and a length. But I, I think that Romanov should be handicapped as a favorite because he's not going to beat around the bush. He's going to get this fight to the ground. And, and look, it's juice to the over. Uh, you're, excuse me. People are expecting it to carry on into the later round. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of fight that favors Romanov, you know, grueling clinch work against the cage and then eventually getting some takedowns and some top control. Yeah. And again, what, what does kind of intrigue me there, Jordan, to that end. And I love where, where your brain's at here is you look at the fight that go the distance plus money. Don't pick a winner plus a dollar 65. So if Romanoff can use that wrestling, will he get a submission? Well, that's plus two fifty If he can get that because you, you just outlined it perfectly. Volkov, you go back to the Derek Lewis fight. He wants to stand trade, use his height, his reach advantage. And he's got a distinct reach advantage here and maybe go towards a decision victory. Romanov on the other side has got to shoot. He's got to take the fight down to the ground. That kind of lends me to, to get to that over one and a half and maybe take a stab that it does hit the cards at plus money. Yeah, I think so. Look, you know, Volkov is a, is a guy that could go three rounds pretty hard. You just mentioned the Derek Lewis fight. And I, I back at what that live bet was for wow. inside the third round, what Derek Lewis was at and when he landed at KO with 10 seconds for remaining. But bottom line is, yeah, Volkov likes to be at distance. Uh, he certainly can go three rounds and, and Romanov too. Romanov, despite, you know, being uh, King Kong and, and, you know, <laughs> coming in with not the best body type at times um, can go hard for three rounds. I'll be very curious to see what he looks like uh, on Friday at the, at the weigh-ins. If, if he looks conditioned, if he looks in weight and is it expected to be a, a three-round grueling uh, matchup, but I, I think I, I like Romanoff here on a Tuesday. I think he's the rightful favorite, and I like the over at one and a half for sure. Something you don't normally see, the KO prop for each fighter, KO, TK, or DQ, both three to one. So very interesting, both of those uh, on the level for the sub, of course, Romanoff plus 250. Uh, Volkov, not likely, 20 to one there as the extreme long shot to get a sub. Uh, let's get to the main event because I am intrigued by it, and again, I, I get it with Peter Jan and we know what a decorated striker he is. He's lost his last two decisions. You can make an argument. He should have won both of those on the card. I'm sure that the, the Sean O'Malley decision still sticks in his craw here. But now he does have four L's in that column, the same as uh, Delishvili here. I'm surprised that Jan is getting bet up. Are you surprised? Because now it's it's 250 here at DraftKings as we stand on a Tuesday. Yeah, I, I am. I, I am because I mean, I no credit, you know, where, where Peter Jan's at him. He's an outstanding fighter. Uh, and obviously, you know, could be a champion in, in this weight class, but the combination of, you know, what we've seen and, and the, and how evolved Marab Divishvili has become standing and also with, with his relentless takedowns and, and Peter Jan was controlled at times in that second Aljamain Sterling fight, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because of the wrestling, because of the athleticism and certainly Marab doesn't have the athleticism that the champion in, in the bantamweight division has. But he's got probably more cardio and better takedown aggressiveness. And oh, by the way, he's the training partner of uh, of Aljamain Sterling, so it's another camp uh, for Sarah Longo uh, that that's preparing for Jan and preparing for Davishvili and a guy that could go hard for five rounds. You know, could go crazy for five rounds. I'm sure Marab doesn't want to mess around on the feet with Jan because Jan is that lethal. It has that lethal striking. He could carry power into the later rounds. But just the, the pace that Davishvili is going to uh, bring in I, at two to one right now as a straight up money line underdog, I think he's definitely worth a look because I think this is a guy that could be fighting for a championship. Uh, maybe next, maybe he might uh, he meets Sean O'Malley if O'Malley's successful over Aljamain Sterling because that is a, that would be an intriguing matchup for sure. Uh, you just stole my last question. That's exactly what I wanted. Are we looking at the winner here? Jumps right back to a title shot and maybe the loser uh, for the championship gets the loser of this, right? We can almost see like a final four scenario. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yes, but you do have to take into account, you know, if Marlon Vera is successful or Corey Sanhagen, like yeah. Cheeto Vera deserves something because he beat 
Sean O'Malley, convincingly. Sean O'Malley has you believe he's still undefeated, but he's obnoxious <laughs> and kind of a moron. Um, but so, I mean, Cheeto Vera has to be considered into the mix for sure uh, if he's successful or Corey Sanhagen. But yeah, we've got we've got five outstanding bantamweights at the top uh, of this wow. level, and even and even Henry Cejudo is you know throwing his name out there, uh, you know, in some way, shape, or form to get back into the challenger. Triple uh, C is going to be heard from again. Uh, very quickly, got about 45, 45 seconds before we have to say goodbye, give me another fight on this card that you really think you see some value here on a Tuesday. Yeah, I think Davy Grant over Rafael Sunsau. Yep. You know, Rafael Sunsau was going to supposed to go in the sunset, and then he had a pretty uh, impressive upset victory over uh, Victor Henry his last time out. So, but but Davy Grant from the striking and being able to go grapple for grapple with Rafael Sunsau. Rafael Sunsau has struggled with those those big strikers. Uh, we saw it against Cody Garbrandt a couple of fights ago. So I think Davy Grant. Minus 170, straight up win for him on the other card. What a, what a pretty cool shot you have today of the uh, second city behind you. Jordan Sherwood, uh, I won't say the king of Chicago, but you do a hell of a job, my friend. Enjoy the fights. We'll catch up again next week. All right, Dave. Thanks. There he is, everybody. Jordan Sherwood, when we come back, we're going to go out to Dan Vreeland, get his thoughts. He's got some sneaky picks maybe on the undercards where he sees some really good value here as we talk on a Tuesday. Come on back. First strike here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out... F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for Season 2 of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to Season 2 of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast, you find it. Start your morning with VEASAN Daily Morning Bets. Josh Applebaum gives you every piece of info you need to be ready for betting the day's biggest games in just 15 minutes. He discusses live movements, injuries, and what you need to be looking at before you make those bets. So make the VEASAN Daily Morning Bets podcast part of your morning routine. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Back here in Las Vegas, Dave Ross coming at you. Going to go out to Dan Vreeland. Always love catching up with Dan. You can follow him on Twitter as I do at Gumby Vreeland. And does great work at uh, Gambling Podcast and Kate Side Press, host of the Top Turtle MMA and SGPN MMA Pods, the hardest working man in MMA. Dan, great to have you back on. Before we look ahead to this weekend, been trying to get everybody's thoughts as you kind of decompress from what you saw at UFC 285, the return of the GOAT, John Jones, now the heavyweight champ and a new champion and the first Mexican-born women's MMA champ 
Alexa Grasso with a shocker of the day uh, for my blood. Dan, what was your biggest takeaway from UFC 285? Man, I, I think it's just got to be how dominant John Jones looks, right? Because, like, uh, you know, I picked real game. You know, completely mm. honest here, you know, hands up on this one. I fixed a real game to win this fight. Um, I, I thought, you know, the years off, the, you know, size difference, all that kind of stuff would come into play. He he made it look like it didn't. And not only that, as I will say, the most dangerous thing about John Jones now is he's no longer that John Jones, who is very comfortable winning a decision. The one that beat, you know, Tiago Santos or the one who beat Dominic Reyes. He's the one who went out and put Shogun away. He's the one who went out and choked Loyola Machida cold. He's wow. the one who went out and put Rampage away. And that John Jones being back is exciting to me. It's amazing. I feel like we're in a time warp, right? All those great fights you just mentioned at light heavyweight for bones. And now at 35, we hadn't seen him in three years. You forget he was the youngest light heavyweight champion in the history of the sport. And now he feels like a young 35 as a heavyweight champion. Looks like Stipe Miocic next. I can't wait to break down that fight when we get closer and closer to it. But let's get to this weekend's card because, Dan, I love it when you, you have a big card and maybe the first fight of the night, you look at it, you get a winner, and you feel like you're already playing with house money a little bit. Uh, Cedricus Dumas against uh, Josh Fremd in this one. Fremd is the dog here. What do you make of this one? Because I think you're looking at Cedricus and think that this favorite is the rightful one at minus eighty. Yeah, and minus $1.80, not a bad number here for Cedricus Dumas. And I've been following this guy on the regional scene. He's largely been seen as a dude who's a big power puncher. He's got incredible power in his hands, really quick, and he's very long. And that's really why I think I'm fading Josh Fremd in this fight, because not only is he coming off of a couple of losses, not only does he not particularly love to strike, but he's in there against a guy who for the first time ever, is going to match his length. Josh Fremd is is naturally a very long middleweight. He's going to be fighting a guy with a reach advantage over him for the first time in the UFC. I think that's trouble for him. And in addition to that, in his contender series fight, we saw Cedricus Dumas sort of deal with some of the grappling. And man, did he look good there too. So even if Fremd were to get inside and start to grapple, I think Dumas has got a lot of backup plan there as well. I think the the reach advantage is going to play a big factor here. I love the negative 180 money line. All right, let's stay on the undercard here. And whenever I see Carl Williams, I'm old. So it goes back to Carl the Truth Williams, who used to fight for the heavyweight championship. Didn't work out very well against Mike Tyson back in the day. This version of Carl Williams is over a $2 betting favorite in the heavyweight division. Do you think that he should be priced accordingly? Yeah, you know me, I'm usually looking for an underdog on these prelims, but there's actually a couple of like $2 favorites who I love here out the gate. And Carl Williams is one of them. And the big reason why is if you go back and you like look at Lucas Bredsky's fight with Martin Boudet in his debut, he's not a particularly fast guy. He puts good combinations together. He's got good pressure. He's tough as nails, but he's not a particularly fast guy. And the thing about Carl Williams is Carl Williams was a light heavyweight coming mm-hmm. into the UFC. He took a short notice fight on the contender series and he did so against an incredible grappler in Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Lawson. And not only did he look great on the feet as he always has very quick hands, very good power, but he showed he low key has some, awesome wrestling too. You know, he out wrestled Jimmy Lawson, not just defended the takedowns himself. So I think he has that wrestling advantage here against Bretzky. If it's not going well on the feet. And in addition to that, I think he's so fast, particularly for this heavyweight division that while he's a little undersized and he is going to be against a lot of heavyweights, I think that speed's going to give a lot of people trouble. I might think about making a little two way parlay there with the uh, minus two five for Williams. And the uh, minus 85, 185 in the first fight. Let's get to a fighter that I think you might think the dog could be barking in this one. And again, you're looking at Victor Henry against Tony Gravely here. Gravely is the small dog in this one. Do we finally have an underdog that Dan Vreeland likes? <laughs> it's wild that we had to wait three fights, right? But no, <laughs> I, I do really like Tony Gravely. I, I think low-key Tony Gravely gets slept on for having a couple of fights where he tired out and wound up not finishing his opponent and wound up paying the price. You know, the Nate Manis fight sticks out for me. He had Manis in all kinds of trouble in round one, was completely gassed out for round two and wasn't able to finish it and wound up getting finished in return. And the thing I think people don't know is he's got such a huge wrestling advantage. He is really great in the grappling department. And unless somebody can stuff his wrestling, they really wind up in a bad place for a lot of the fight here. I'm pretty sure that he's not going to be able to put Victor Henry away. Henry's super tough, but I do think Henry has the potential of spending two rounds here on his back. And I will say this, I think he likes to grapple so much. Victor Henry does 
that there's a chance he jumps a guillotine and he winds up on the bottom hmm. or he's cool looking for a Kimura or he's cool looking for a triangle choke. And I think Tony Gravely is smart enough to stay out of him. So that could just be an extra way that he gains extra control time. He looks better on the judges scorecards and it makes it a little easier for him to beat Victor Henry here. All right. Two underdogs I want to be interested in, but I'm going to get your thoughts first on it. Tyson Nams plus a dollar 65 against Bruno Silva. Silva almost a $2 betting favorite. And then the queen of violence, Ariana Lipsky, a huge underdog to JJ Aldrich here. Aldrich is minus 320. Lipsky really needs a win. She's been struggling as of late. Are there any live dog scenarios with either Lipsky or Nam, in your opinion? I will give you one of those two for sure. Uh, and I'm, unfortunately, it's not going to be the queen of violence uh, because <laughs> I just think JJ Aldrich, I mean, I think she gets slept on for being as good as she is. You know, like if you go back and you look at some of JJ Aldrich's fights, including the one she had with Aaron Blanchfield, man, did she look game in that fight? Yeah. Now, she did eventually get submitted by Aaron Blanchfield, but now, how good did that loss age? Because Aaron Blanchfield's out here finishing Jessica Andrade, and she was troubling her with the hands. The fact that I think she's so tough and so hard to take down, I think means that this fight is going to take place on the feet. And if she can turn it into a gritty fight, I really don't think Lipsky's going to look all that good in the clinch with her. I don't think Lipsky might even look good at distance with her, which is mm. why you see her at negative 320 here. Now, yeah. if you are looking for value on this fight, take it by decision. You'll you'll make that number look a little bit better. But of course, you know, that kind of is the way it goes with uh, women's flyweight fights. And then on the other side, I'll, I'll back you on Tyson Nam here. I think Tyson Nam's punching power plays up against a guy like Bruno Silva. Bruno Silva, a guy coming off of a back-to-back knockouts, Back-to-back knockouts, one of which was against a short-notice replacement. The guy didn't look like he was prepared to fight in there. And the other one was a TKO. If he thinks he's a knockout artist and he's going to fight Dyson Nam, that's a bad idea because we just saw that work out <laughs> with Ode Osborne. Ode Osborne, a guy who beat Charles Johnson, could not strike with, with Dyson Nam. In fact, he wound up beating the big one and, and sleeping. I think Tyson Nam's punching power plays up in just about any fight. And against a guy who's fallen in love with his hands in Bruno Silva, I like his odds there to, to pick up the upset. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Plus $1.65 for Nam. So this fight stays standing. He's got a really good shot uh, to pull in that upset. Let's get to the main card here. And again, we were expecting Nikita Krylov against Ryan Spann a couple weeks ago as a main event. Now, of course, because Krylov got sick, that fight had to be scrapped. And now here we are two weeks later. It's going to be a three-round non-main event fight here. And they're going to fight at a catchweight 215. Does that change your handicap of this fight from what you might have seen two weeks ago? So I was already in on Ryan's fan, first of all. So I, I like the fact that his number didn't change because when I heard that this fight was being rebooked, I was like, well, there goes my plus 145 on Ryan's fan. His number is going to go closer to even. Krilov is sick. You know, the fight's two weeks later. You know, he's already the bigger of the two guys. So now not having to cut weight, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, he's got an advantage there. And the number stayed. Not only did the number stay, it's even moved a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, Krilov has gone up as a favorite. He's negative 170 now. I think he was only negative 155, negative 160. So, yeah, I'm all over Ryan's fan in this spot. I, I think the fact that, you know, Krilov was already kind of an erratic fighter who you never really could trust his performances. Now he's coming off of an illness that kept him out of a fight just two weeks ago. And we still don't really know what it is. I, I love the fact that Ryan Span is getting some nice dog money here. And I'll say this. My original breakdown just said, I don't know that he'll be able to deal with the length of Ryan Spann. And when he shoots that takedown, which I think he inevitably is going to do, Ryan Spann has got one of the sneakiest guillotines you've seen in the light heavyweight division. Would not be surprised if Ryan Spann upset you here with a submission. And I know that number is really juicy. It's like plus 500. I know people are out there loving the knockout prop, but I'm telling you, Ryan Spann by submission here. Ooh, five to one if you like Superman Spann uh, via decision, or excuse me, uh, via submission. Very quickly, main event, Peter Yan, Marab Dilashvili. How do you see this one playing out? I think this is all Peter Yan. I, I, you know, I see the number at negative 250. I liked it better, obviously, when it was, you know, in the negative 180s or whatever it was earlier in the week or, you know, last mm-hmm. week for that matter. But the thing for me is I go back to that fight with Marab Dilashvili versus Marlon Marias. And, like, he just got outstruck so badly on the feet, couldn't get his wrestling going. And eventually Marias tired out and yep. Marab took over and wins that fight. TKOs him with some ground and pound. That's not an option against Piotr Jan. That dude is not going to tire out in a three-round fight, or even a five-round fight, for that matter. Five-round fight, and his boxing is better than Marlon Marias. You don't have to worry about his chin either. Yeah, that's going to be a heck of a, of a, a main event, though. But I'm with you. I understand what you're saying with Peter Jan there. Not the same fighter that Dilish really had against Marlon Marais. Dan, great stuff as always. We'll see you next week. Coming back here, going to Washington, D.C. with Reed Kuhn next here on First Strike.
witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little. dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. Continuing first strike here on Decent Time to go out to Washington, D.C. to catch up with the one and only Reed Kuhn. You can follow Reed as I do at Fightnomics. He's the author of a book of the same name, Fightnomics. And boy, the data was uh, out in full effect last week at UFC 285. Reed, a really, really profitable night. Hopefully everybody was able to watch you last week here in the program. Uh, the models did not disappoint. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from UFC 285? Well, you know, I like wrestlers and in the main event, you know, sometimes you have a total stylistic contrast and you got to bank with what's safe. And that's my wrestling. John Jones brought it. He made it look easy. Uh, but I also my takeaway was trust the numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we had a small stab on Grasso at six to one and that came through. Uh, so that was a nice little sprinkle on the top that made us open up the top shelf. <laughs> you get to the good stuff on the bar. I see there after a very profitable uh, Saturday night at UFC 285. Let's get to this week because I'm always fascinated by your numbers, Reed. And, and I know now, uh, certainly with the, the wrestlers over the last couple of years talking on this program, how much the numbers really value them. So you look at Peter Jan, a guy who can wrestle, right? But again, against a guy like Marab Dilashvili, we know that's what he'd like to do is get this fight down to the ground. Potentially five-round matchup here in the main event. What are the numbers showing you here? Yeah, that's they reinforce that narrative. And first of all, if you look at this entire card, which does have heavyweights, it does have light heavyweights, who has the most knockdowns of anyone on this card? It's Peter Jan. Mm-hmm. He has 10 knockdowns recorded. He's only been dropped once. Uh, he is a heavy-handed bantamweight. You don't always see that. And his technical striking is clearly superior. You know, he's very accurate on his feet. Now, he doesn't have quite the pace that Mayrab has. And I think we saw that in those battles with Aljamain Sterling. You know, Jan was getting pressured. And if you stifle his offense, then he, he doesn't have as many weapons. And if you get him on the ground or on the fence, uh, that's how you stifle the weapons. And Mayrab has that opportunity here. Now, if I was picking this straight up, I would go Jan. And the takedown defense of 90% is, is reassuring. But this is a situation. Mayrab has been one of those guys. He can string together takedown after takedown. And put you against the fence. He has very high clinch control. He has dominant grappling on the mat, on the mat, and you add that up, and basically half of all rounds are spent dealing with his pressure. And so the other half, you have to, you know, somehow win the round with striking alone. So with these odds where they are, it's a value play for me on the upset. Yeah, and again, it feels like the number's been going up rapidly. Jan now minus uh, two fifty. 
Mirab coming back at plus 210. I wonder if the number is going to keep going up to get even more value before we get to Saturday night. Because of what you said with Dealishvili, kind of that wet blanket type wrestler, right? He's just always constantly pressuring. I understand why the number is at four and a half here, and it's juiced heavily to the over, minus 215. If you think the fight's going to go the distance and not even pick a winner, that you got to lay $2 to do that. Do you see any finishing potential here? You mentioned the knockdowns of Jan. So KO, TKO, DQ, you can get plus money at plus 250 if you like Jan there. By decision, you can get Jan at plus $1.10. I know the numbers kind of show that it's a value play on Dealish Vili, but what about how we think this fight's going to end? Do you see any finishing potential there? I, I do like where your head is at with Petr Jan and his striking, and that's a pretty juicy return for a striking finish because if – you know, as far as Bantamweights go, he is well poised to achieve that because if he does get it in open water for extended periods of time, he's absolutely going to be winning those exchanges. He has very slick counters, but they turn into combinations. Uh, so I like the strikes piling up and he does have five rounds to work. We know that he has a gas tank. Um, but, you know, while I might play the value on Mayrab, if I were to pick a prop on the Yan side, if I was supporting him, I would look for a really high return on a striking finish because it's not intuitive to think that two Bantamweights who are going to be grappling a lot, there's going to be a striking finish. But Yan does have that knockdown power that is it's unlike anybody else on the card right now in terms of how many he's racked up. Yeah, and I look at it, too, and I'm right there with you. If you like Yan, don't want to lay the big price tag down, maybe plus 250 is the way to go. And conversely, Dealishvili, the number's telling you 12 to 1 to get a KO. Sub is 16 to 1. Really, the better opportunity there might be Mirab by decision, and you get 3 to 1 there. So you can kind of almost hedge it there as this fight progresses. Let's get to the co-main event here in the Battle of the Alexanders here. Uh, it should be a pretty interesting fight for Romanov against Volkov here. Volkov, the much bigger man. I know you've got a lot of data on him at 6'7", 256 against a guy who's 6'2 and 239. What are the numbers showing you? Is there any value at Volkov at plus $1.35? I, stylistically, no. I'm probably going to go with the wrestler here. Um, now, the, the numbers do support. He has the clear striking advantage. Volkov has that really long reach. He's very precise. He's got the long-range kickboxing game. We've seen him, when he gets at that range, he looks unstoppable because he can pick people apart and just pile up the strikes. He's not really a one-hitter-quitter kind of guy mm -hmm. as far as heavyweights go. His his actual knockdown rate per strike is actually below average, so that's not really his style. And I think that helps us here because Romanov is probably going to be diving in for the takedowns pretty early, pretty often. So you want to make sure that he's not doing that against someone who can put him away with one shot. I don't think that's the case here. I think Romanov can eat a few shots. He can he can take a little damage on the way in, and each round he just has to get it on the ground and pin him, and he is fully equipped to do that. Volkov's takedown defense at 73% is decent, but I think it's just going to pile up, and he doesn't have that power that I would want to be able to bank on a striker facing a wrestler. Yeah, great point. I, I go back to shades of Curtis Blades against Derek Lewis. Wins that first round and kind of dives in for a takedown. One punch ends it. That's not what Volkov does. So Romanov here, the likely, uh, the, the reasonable, you can understand why now he is the, the favorite. It's flipped to him as the favorite. I do want to get to Ryan Spann. I'm always fascinated by your numbers, Reed. Certainly when you have catchweight scenarios here now, a fight that was supposed to be the main event a couple weeks ago, now rebooked here two weeks later, and they're going to fight at 215 pounds and only three rounds here for Nikita against Ryan. How, how does that affect the models or does it affect them at all? I'm going to dismiss that pretty much um, and ignore the fact that this has been rebooked and there's a lot of weird stuff going on outside the cage. Uh, but I was already going to be on Krylov in that fight. Uh, nothing about the situation really changes that. I, I didn't hear anything that would preclude me to think from, you know, all right, this guy's really injured and something, something different is going on. I'm still going to be on Krylov again. And it's the story of the grappling. Now, it, I, it does concern me. He's a little sloppy on the feet. He eats some punches, and you can't really do that at light heavyweight for very long. Span does have that you know, one-punch knockdown power that we were just talking about, a heavyweight who does not. That is a concern. This is not a fight that anybody is expecting to go the distance, but I do think it's going to be Krylov on the ground, and I think it's going to be his grappling and his submissions that actually get a finish here. Okay, that's fascinating because, again, what's changed now because it's five to three rounds potentially here. We know that Ryan Spann probably is not the type of guy that wants to go deep into the night, right? So he'd like to get this done if the upset's going to happen earlier. The total rounds prop here, you can get plus money over a round and a half, plus a dollar five. But you mentioned Krylov here by submission. That's plus 215. 
Is that the better way to go? Or do you think that eventually Span's going to tire? And so instead of playing Kralov and laying, uh, you know, the minus $1.70, $1.80, you can get that plus money at a sub at plus two fifteen. I, I like the sub angle here. Um, Krylov is pretty crafty with those. We've seen him do a lot of different types of submissions, and that's something I look for. It's not in the numbers. You know, it's really about quantity and how often they can get a submission in. Uh, but in his case, I like diversity of submissions, and it just shows that he has that finishing instinct. And, uh, you know, it gives him more options as the fight goes on. Yeah, so maybe potentially if that's a, a way to go, because, again, we know Span has, seems like he's got some cardio issues later on in a fight. So if you think that maybe Kralov can get him down to the mat, maybe get that sub. You can turn that negative into a positive, plus 215. All right, Reed, let's go down the card a little bit. In, in one of the ladies' fights that I'm really intrigued by, J.J. Aldrich, a huge favorite against Ariana Lipsky here. We know Lipsky's been struggling here recently uh, in the UFC. What are the numbers showing you on two fighters that appear to be heading in opposite directions? Yeah, th- this is one of those ones where I'm I'm looking at the numbers, and the line is divergent but the numbers are very even. And so when I see that, I usually, you take the plus money and you look for the value on the underdog. Uh, so as with Petr Jan, you know, probabilistically, I think he's going to win, but only just barely. And when that price is two to one, you know, that's just out of whack for me. So I got to take the value play just like I did with Alexa Grasso. Mm-hmm. And this is another situation where I see it as closer to a coin flip then the odds suggest, and the odds of they keep going. I mean, I ran this, and Lipsky was you know barely 200 plus 240, and now she's pushing plus 300. Uh, I, she used to be pretty vicious, and I don't know <laughs> what what we lost during that period of time, but um, there is still a killer instinct with Lipsky, and I I like to watch her fight. She's got that. Um, she looks like the queen from the TV show Visitor. That's what I always think of when I see her. Uh, so she's like a reptile underneath, and she's ready to kill. So I, I think there's some potential here. Again, coin flip fight. If you look for enough of those and you get enough value on the return on the upset, it's going to pay off in the long run. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I see that number, and I keep going, what am I missing in this fight? I, I get Aldrich and, and, and the pedigree she has now, but Queen of Islands at plus 265 with the number going up, I think you're right on. Feels like a value play to me. Hey, Reed, we really appreciate your insight each and every week here on First Strike. Enjoy the fights. We'll catch up again next week. All right, there he is, everybody. Reed Kuhn, you can follow him on Twitter as I do, at Reed Kuhn. So, Wow. Wrapping up a wild UFC 285, and then no rest for the weary here as we have a great main event with Marab Bielishvili against Peter Jan. Enjoy the fights. We'll see you next week right here. First Strike on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.